So it's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Matt. I'm the youth ministry coordinator here at Community Church. It's a joy to be with you and sharing God's word this morning. So with the lights of Advent put away and New Year's right around the corner, Tim was saying this is the time of year that we start to kind of look back on what the last 12 months have been. We look back at Spotify, the top songs we played. We look back on Netflix, how many times we watched The Office. We look back at our giving and our spending and how our investments have returned. We look back at weddings, graduations, celebrations, births, anniversaries, promotions. We got our agendas all lined up. We got our calendars color coordinated. Our diets are all set, hopefully. Our gym memberships are renewed, and we are ready to take the next year, right? And we are set that next year is going to be the best year yet. We firmly plant our feet. We face the new year boldly, resolving to make the best year yet. Or at least we try to, right? I mean, it's really easy to face this new year if all of last year went perfectly, right? It's really easy to face another year with such confidence if this year was just as we thought it would be. It's really, really easy to face a new year of confidence if this past year all just came up roses. But if you've been on this earth, if you've been a human for literally any period of time, you know that that's just not how it works down here. You know that that just isn't how life goes. There's pain, there's hurt, there's sickness, arguments are had, jobs are lost, loved ones pass away. And through all the mess-ups and ups and downs, we as the people of God pray and we long for the healing. But sometimes things just seem quiet upstairs. right? Sometimes in the midst of it all, despite our praying and our seeking and our faithful chasing, God just feels distant. So what do we do? How are we supposed to boldly and faithfully face a whole nother set of 365 days if the last one left us in a daze of silent, distant confusion. As the people of God, what are we supposed to do when God feels far away? And for that, I want to look this morning at Psalm 13. So, we're going to do something that we don't do very often. I don't have a keynote. I'm going old-fashioned. So I'm going to take, you take your Bibles, open it up, keep it open, because we are going to be looking at the Word, the physical Word. Cell phones are also acceptable if you're on the Bible app. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> so let's turn our attention to God's Word this morning in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Man, David does not waste any time, right? He... He just jumps right in. He hits us right over the head with it almost. There's no florally image of the sanctuary. There's no scenic flyover of God's vast creation. There's no telling of God's majestic glory. No, David just jumps right in. He hits us with the full weight of what's on his heart. He starts off the song, How long will you forget me, O Lord? He feels as though God has forgotten him. We don't know the specifics of exactly what David was going through in that moment. But we know it's clear that wherever he found himself, he had been there for quite some time. 
in a place where he's crushed in spirit, overcome with sorrow, and on the brink of death. And on top of everything, the worst feeling is that God had forgotten him and forsaken him. How long, O oh Lord? This isn't simply just an innocent questioning of like quantitative time. He's not asking God, like, all right, how many more minutes are going to be down here? How many more uh, days do I have to be in this situation? No, this is a writhing cry of anguish of a man to his God as he's crumbling under the weight of all that is around him. And we've all been there before. We've been in a place where no matter how hard or how long that we pray, God seems inactive and as far away from the situation as he could possibly be. He feels distant. Maybe you find yourself there even now. So what do we do? What are we, the people of God, to do when God feels distant? Before we go any further, before we start diving into the Word, I want to actually debunk a lie that I feel creeps up a lot of the times when we start talking about feeling far from God, or honestly, whenever any sort of messy issue of faith comes up. Whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, maybe it's just our own pride. There's this idea that we have to somehow have it all together when we come before the Lord. That we have to somehow like package it up in a nice, neat box and be eloquent and thought out and present our request before God in this thought-out, well-planned prayer. That's just garbage. That's nonsense. I don't know where that came from, but that is not, not how God wants us to come before him. So at the very start, before we look into the word more, if that's where you're at, if you're at the place where God feels a million miles away, like he is distant, tell him. Pour out your laments and your complaints and your fears and your worries and your hurts and your sorrows before the Lord. Appeal to God for deliverance. Go out in the woods and yell at him if you need to. Like, he is not threatened or scared by our fears. Ask him the big questions. Why does he allow these situations to happen? Why do we feel far from him? Why does he allow bad things to happen? Why does he seem to take forever and a half to answer some prayers? Isaiah 55 tells us that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are certainly higher than our ways. God is totally and wholly other, and that really confuses us at times. At least it confuses me. Living in light of that can be messy and painful and just downright confusing. But take courage and encouragement from David. He wastes no time and he brings his mess of confusion and anger and fear right where it belongs, right before the Lord. He doesn't hide it away. He brings it before his God. So when we feel far from God, the very first thing we need to do is just be honest with him about it. But I also think that when we feel far from God, the second thing we need to do is be honest with ourselves. I think that we have a little bit more to do with why we feel distant from God than we'd like to readily admit. Now, I do want to be careful. I don't want to make hurtful blanket statements. I understand that there are certainly situations that are completely and utterly a holy mystery as to why they occur. There are senseless tragedies and deep pain. And in these situations, I, I mourn with you, and I petition God right alongside you, and I ask, come Lord Jesus, come, bring healing. But in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment grind of life, when we feel far from God, I believe that we play a little bit bigger role in why we feel distant from God than we would readily admit. I mean, think about it. Psalm 34:18 promises that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
Acts 17 implores us to seek God that we may reach for him and find him, for he is near. Psalm 145 reminds us that the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Like there is scripture after scripture reminding us of God's nearness. In the Old Testament, we have God's repeated promise to his people of Israel that he will never leave them or forsake them. In the New Testament, we have Jesus' words that he is with us surely to the end of the age. These are the very promises of God. These don't change. These are consistent. So why the heck do we still feel so distant from God if he promises that he is near to us? I think because we far too often let our present surrounding circumstances tell us that God is distant. We know from Scripture that God is deeply good. Deeply good. We have seen him abundantly provide for the people of Israel in Scripture, and we even can look back and see ways in our own lives that God has provided. God was good then, and he has not stopped being good now. But the temptation, at least that I fall into, maybe you guys have figured this out, then you should be preaching to me, and I would love to hear that. But at least the temptation that I fall into is I think that my present difficult circumstances are an accurate barometer of God's nearness and goodness. Right, so you guys all, well, I'm fairly young, so I would imagine if you have not been there, younger kids, you will soon be there one day, when you go to kindergarten and you have to get this whole slew of vaccines and shots before you can enter school, I hated shots. And I was five years old, and my mom took me to the doctor. I was excited for school, but I knew this looming day would come when I had to get tetanus and flu and chicken pox, and they just gave it to me all at once. So my mom pulls me into the doctor's office. I'm screaming and crying. I'm trying to run away, and the doctor, boom, 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 like four or five shots after another. I'm just a mess. I'm crying. It's horrible. And to look at our present situations as a barometer of God's goodness is almost as silly as saying, that because in that moment of getting a shot, I was crying, that my mom didn't love me or didn't care for me. When in the opposite, the opposite could not be more true. My mom was nearby my side, holding my hand through the whole situation. And now as a grown man, I know that she gave me those shots because she loves me and wanted me to be a healthy kid. My mom's deep love for me as her child remained, even though the pain was present. Man, we do that with God, though, don't we? Like, a lot. (laughs) When things are going well around us, we assume that God is near, and it's very easy to believe that he's good. When everything's going well, when things start to head south, we assume that God jumps ship and find it really hard to believe he's good. We have the solid promise that God has not left us. He is deeply, deeply good. I think we feel distant from God when we let our circumstances tell us that he's distant. And in that, we forget the promise of his nearness and his goodness. But I think more than just forgetting the promises of God, I think we feel distant from God because in that forgetfulness, we tend to sin. We don't just stray from God. We stray from God and do the wrong thing. We are like the people of Israel who time after time forget all the Lord's goodness to them and just keep turning away and falling into sin. So do you remember the whole golden calf fiasco, right? Do you remember what happened right before that? So quick recap. So God just mightily delivers his people out of Israel, out of Egypt, his people Israel out of Egypt in a miraculous display of his glory and his power. And we're at this moment where all of Israel's gathered and they're at the base of Mount Sinai and 
like this is huge, like parting the Red Sea, defeating of Pharaoh's army, like if God was ever on display, like this is it. And so he calls his people to the mount, base of Mount Sinai, calls Moses up to give him the law, and for whatever duration of time Moses is up there, the Israelites get impatient. In fact, they say, come, let us go make gods who will go before us. And for this guy, Moses and his God, I, whatever, we don't know what happened to him. They literally forgot what God had just done days, weeks beforehand. And thinking that they had left, he had left them, they took matters in their own hands, built an idol, and sinned against the Lord their God. They forgot the goodness and the power of the Lord had like literally just shown them. And while it's laughable, I mean, we do the same thing, right? We worry, we fret, we even begin to go outside of God's good commands because we forget the goodness of the one who gives them. When we forget God's goodness and faithfulness to us, we fall into sin and ultimately just deepen the sense of distance between us and him. So why do we ultimately feel distant from God? That's, Matt, you've been dancing around the question. I think the simple answer is because we forget. We are forgetful people. We forget the promises of God's nearness. We let our circumstances dictate to us that he's far. We forget his goodness. We take matters into our own hands and think that we're best and we sin. and we just It's like the cycle of just forgetfulness. We feel far from God because we forget. Yet though we forget, God is not stopped being good. Though we forget, God has not stopped being good. So if the distance that we're feeling is a result of our forgetting, then what, what are we supposed to do then? How do we combat our forgetfulness? We just have to remember. <laughs> we need to remember. And I don't think it's a coincidence. So after the golden calf fiasco that Israelites probably don't like to talk about, a couple chapters after, God is giving the law. Right? And he's going through the different commandments and different regulations. But nestled in there is a whole command and a, and a whole command to follow a list of festivals and feasts to remember how God has been faithful to them. God knows that we are prone to forget. Prone to even forget the miraculous rescue that it orchestrated even moments before. So God appoints the Passover and every single detail within the Passover to reenact and tell generations to come of his faithfulness and his goodness and to remind them of his love and his kindness for his people. My favorite festival, though, and this is cool, I really want to do it, but we don't have palm branches readily available to us. So it's this Feast of Booths, right? And God literally calls his people for a whole week, once a year, take everything out of your house, move outside, and build a tabernacle. Build a physical structure and dwell in it for an entire week for the purpose of reminding the people of God's goodness and faithfulness and leading them out of the land of Egypt. He calls them to build a physical hut. We were studying this passage uh, a couple months ago in our men's Bible study, and I was so tempted to just grab the guys and build one outside, but we, need, we have no palm branches. But he says this, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I have made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. For I am the Lord your God. He calls them together to put up a physical hut every year. So as they're building the hut, the story of his faithfulness and his goodness and his character would be on their lips 
passed down from generation to generation so that every year the people would be reminded and they would not forget. If we go a little bit further in Israel's history, perhaps you know of a guy named Samuel and his rocks. He liked his rocks. So quick recap there. So Samuel, prophet of the Lord, the nation of Israel is facing the Philistines, massive army, Israel's a small army, the odds are not in their favor. God promises to go before the nation of Israel and give them victory. They fight the battle, they get the victory, and Samuel takes a rock and places it down before the people and says, this is Ebenezer. Thus far the Lord has helped us. This is the moment of God's goodness and his faithfulness. I'm going to put a big old boulder here. So every time you walk past it, you are reminded that the God we serve is faithful. That every time you walk around this big old rock, you're reminded that the God we serve is good. So the next time we have a massive army coming over the hills and you're scared and terrified, you're reminded that the God that we serve is good. And the God that we serve is faithful. God was good then when they received the victory and he will be good every moment they walk around that rock, whether they feel his goodness or not. And that's exactly what David does here in Psalm 13. So I had you keep your Bibles open. Let's look back to that. David does the exact same thing as Samuel and as the people of Israel. After pouring his lament before the Lord, even still in the midst of his anguish, he may not be throwing together a whole hut or stacking up piles of stone, but he's doing the same thing. He is consciously calling to remembrance God's goodness to him. So if you look with me to verse 5 and 6, he says this, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Wait, David, didn't, weren't you just complaining that God was forgetting you and far? In the midst of perceived distance and horrific circumstances, when all of his external senses point to God's abandonment and absence, David is calling to mind God's past goodness and faithfulness. Though the situations around him were not good, God did not stop being good. David is essentially saying, though none of what I'm experiencing right now feels good by any stretch of the imagination, I know that you, Lord, have been good in the past and that you're good right now in the, in the present, and because of that, I will trust you with the future. And I think we, like David, need to remember the same thing. We need to put up huts of our own. I would physically, literally build one if I had it. We need to put up huts. We need to stack together our Ebenezers. We need to get our stones. We need to look back over this past year, over the past several years, and look and remind ourselves how God has been faithful and shown himself as good. We need to record and document God's goodness in that moment, because we forget. So journal. We had the spiritual journaling class back in November. Get a journal. Talk to Tim. Talk to anyone who's taking the class. Learn how to record God's faithfulness. Jot down notes. Build a pile of stones. Get a tattoo. Paint a painting. I don't know. If you're under 18, probably don't do that. Yes. But I mean, for real though, like, I've done that. Like, do something to remind you of God's faithfulness in the moment when you see him faithful. Kids, that's not, don't use that as justification to go off and get a tattoo. Without your parents, that would not go well. Well, the youth pastor said I could. <sighs> Should have thought that better. But for real though, we need to put up markers in our everyday life so that when we're, our feelings and our circumstances change, we can look back and see that we serve a God that doesn't. 
So when the day comes when everything around us looks like he is not present or he is not good, we can still say with confidence, God is good. So where do we go from here? And to get a tattoo is not the right answer. So at, the, at this point in the sermon, there's probably, you're, you probably fall into two different camps of thought. On one hand, you're, maybe you're resonating with David. Maybe this last year put you through the ringer. Maybe you are actually wrestling with God in the midst of that silence, in the midst of that distance. Or maybe you're on the other hand, and you're confused why the whole time I've been talking about distance from God at all. Maybe you're, everything is great with you and God. Maybe everything is just full of joy and you're experiencing his faithfulness and you're in that season of seeing God at work. And if you're in that latter camp, then praise God. That's, I'm thankful for that. That is beautiful. And I'm glad that God has brought you there. But you're not off the hook. This isn't just a, a sermon for those who are in the midst of distance. Because in our need to remember, we're not called to remember alone. Right? Hebrews 3 calls us to continually encourage one another so we may continue in the confident hope and faith in Christ. This idea of encouragement literally means to fill someone with courage when they currently have none. Like, encourage, to put courage into, to put hope into. So it means that we need to be sharing our stories. You who are currently feeling close to the Lord, come alongside those who don't. You who are experiencing the Lord's faithfulness, you who are experiencing the Lord's presence, come alongside those who are not, who are in a season of doubt, who are in a season of distance. Fill them with the courage and the hope that you have when they have none. To perhaps even be their Ebenezer by faithfully recalling and telling the Lord's goodness to them. But maybe you're on the other side. You're with David. You're in that dark night of the soul in the midst of the distance. And maybe you're even resonating more with verses 1 through 4. The lament, the cry, the pain, the anguish. Maybe the wound is still tender and the circumstances are still painful. Maybe you're even agreeing with everything that I'm saying, but the circumstances around you left you tired and broken. And you agree that we're to go forth boldly and confidently, but you just don't have the strength to do it then let me encourage you, let your brothers and sisters around you be your Ebenezer. Let them come alongside you and encourage you and remind you of God's goodness and faithfulness when we, until we have the strength to remember for ourselves. David was encouraged even in the midst of trying circumstances and feeling distant from God by recounting how God had been faithful and good in his life. And as we look to this next year, this next 365 days, regardless of where we are at, when God seems distant in the present, we look back to his goodness and faithfulness in the past so we can confidently trust him with the future. So as you prepare for this new year, as you set your resolutions and you get your things in order, regardless of where you find yourself, God is still good. God has not stopped being good, and he won't stop being good. And that makes all the difference. We have a God who does not change, though our circumstances do. Even now, God is still good. Would you pray with me? Prone to wander and forget, Lord, we feel it. God, please remind us of your unfailing love and your unchanging goodness. 
that we may enter this new year with David, that we may sing joyfully as he did unto you, and we may rejoice in your salvation, regardless of where we find ourselves in the midst of. God, you are so, so good. Help us to remember that. In Jesus' name, amen.